Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Early in the Gospel of John, we read these wonderful words spoken by John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's as if God himself couldn't wait any longer to introduce the reader to his own well-beloved son and who he was, the Lamb of God. As you know, lambs were often presented to God as a sacrifice in the Old Testament, pointing towards the day when God himself would provide a lamb, a lamb that would satisfy all of his requirements forever, that is, the Lord Jesus Christ. In today's message, evangelist Mr. Dan Shutt takes a simple look at the Lamb of God, and he discusses why we need one, and how the Lord Jesus offered himself for our sins. Have you ever looked at your sins and failures, and honestly acknowledged that you are a sinner needing God's forgiveness? That a lamb is what you need, and you would be wise to take the one that God has provided for you. John's Gospel, chapter 1, and I want to read just a single verse and preach from it tonight. Verse number 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The words of John the Baptist spoken about 2,000 years ago, but words that I hope will be fastened by God's Spirit in your heart tonight. And they are these simple words, Behold the Lamb of God, that is the Lord Jesus, which taketh away the sin of the world. When I was a little boy, I grew up on a farm. We lived out in the country. We mostly raised cows and chickens, and we had one old pig named Petunia, and a really nasty horse that we won't talk about. We had a neighbor to the north. He was an old English man, and he raised sheep. And you know, every year in the springtime, my mom did something really special. She would load us all up. We had a 1963 Ford Falcon station wagon, mostly blue, but with some rust. And she would load us all up in the station wagon, and we would drive up to the farmyard, and we'd all pile out of the car because there was something we couldn't wait to see. You know what it was? It was all the newborn little lambs. And I tell you, I, I may just be a simple folk. You, you can laugh at me if you like, but, you know, I still look back with happy memories to that day when my brothers and sisters and I had our noses up against the fence board looking through there at all those beautiful little Lambs. You know, I suppose in my lifetime, I've seen thousands of lambs. I went to Scotland a few years ago with my wife once, and I'll tell you what, I never saw so many lambs in my life. But you know something? I was just enjoying this today. You know, this man, John the Baptist, was talking about something that was unique. He said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away 
the sin of the world. I've seen a lot of lambs. I'm grateful that there was a day when I saw the Lamb of God. And I'm going to explain to you tonight what that means. Because, you know, folks that come to the gospel meeting, maybe they're not real familiar with some of the language of the Bible. Maybe it seems strange to describe the Lord Jesus as the Lamb of God. But I hope that God will give us help just to explain the gospel in some very simple terms that will be a help to you spiritually in coming to know Christ as your Savior and knowing your sins forgiven. You know, as I look at this little text, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, the first thing I want to talk about is I want to talk about man's problem. Because this verse says, The Lamb of God who takes away. There's some sort of a problem here. And the Lamb of God has come to relieve that problem. What is that problem? I say this frequently in gospel meetings, and I do it deliberately because we live in a deeply troubled world tonight. I got in the car today to come over to have lunch, and, you know, you hear about bombings in one part of the world and terrorism and disease and hunger and debt and and, and all of the horrible things that afflict our world. You know, I don't know about you, but most of the time I just turn it off because I can't do anything about it. All it does is get you all agitated, all the problems that are in our world. But I want to tell you this. The greatest problem in our world tonight and the greatest problem in our own hearts tonight is this. This problem, the sin of the world. You know, the devil understands something very well, and it's this. That if he can control language, he has a lot of power. I'll just give you one example of what I mean. The word sin is rarely used in our culture. When's the last time you turned on the radio or the TV or looked up a story and said, man, there was a big sinner the other night, went down and shot up some town, or this man hit his wife, what a terrible sin that was. Or, you know, it's a word that's been almost entirely excluded from our vocabulary. And yet, let me tell you, dear friend, tonight, very simply, it's a word that's front and center in God's vocabulary. We have a problem with our sin. You know something? There are people who listen to us and we talk about the problem of our sin. And you know, they, they kind of look around the meeting and they think, you know, there's a boy over there and I go to school with him and I know what he's like. He's probably got a problem with sin. Or maybe we pick up the newspaper and we read about some of these politicians that have their hand in the cookie jar and, and all, all the problems. And, and, and we think about sin in terms of other people. I want to do something really simple. I'm not interested in a big fancy sermon at all. I just want to get a message across from God's heart to your heart. The problem is not other people's sins. The problem is our sin. I remember as a boy when that first started to weigh on my heart. You know, my mom and dad were saved. I went to the Sunday school. I learned my verses. I was really blessed. I really was. And my parents preserved me from the sorts of evil that went on in the community. I didn't even know anything about it. I had a good life. But you know something? When I heard this book read, and when I heard God's message to my heart, there was something that I discovered, that I could no longer throw up my hands and say it's not me. I discovered it was me. Now, you know, sometimes I tease a little bit and say, you know, when I was saved, I got saved when I was eight years old. Good time to be saved, by the way. 
you know, I wasn't a car thief. I was a cookie thief. But you know what the problem was? I was still a thief. And I lied. And I disobeyed. And I said things that were not true. And I took things that didn't belong to me. You know what that was? That was sin. And you might say to yourself, oh, but Dan, look, you were just a little boy. That's the way little boys behave. No, 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 no. It was just the manifestation of a growing problem that came out of my very nature. I was born a sinner, and so were you. And as a result of that nature that's in me, you see, cats don't bark. They meow. Why? Because that's their nature. And fish don't fly, most of them, because they swim. That's their nature. I'm going to tell you what the nature of sinners is. You know what it is? It's to sin. I have two children. You know, my dear wife and I, we never taught our children to lie. We never taught our children to talk back to us. We, we never taught our children to swear or any other thing like that. We didn't teach them that. It came out of them. We had to curb that because their nature came to be on display. They were sinners. And so are you. And so am I. And so the great problem that we address in the gospel, the reason that the Lord Jesus came is this. The Lamb of God came in order to take away the sin of the world. We're preaching in Montana for a number of years. And I learned a little Sunday school chorus that I've never forgotten. I'll just give you a couple lines of it. It just said this. S-I-N is a very little word, but it always spells disaster. Let me tell you tonight, dear friend, if your sin is never forgiven, someday your sin will be brought up, not in front of the preachers, not in front of this church, not in front of your friends or your family. Your sins are going to be brought up before the God of heaven who has recorded every one. And I want to tell you what you think is a small thing tonight, perhaps, is going to be a big thing in that day. Because from the record of your sin, God is going to bring you into a place that is seen on this chart as hell and the lake of fire. Sin's a little word, but it always spells disaster. And so my first point, so very simply, I hope the Lord impresses this upon your heart. Man's problem are not all the things that fill the newspapers and the media. The great problem is to confront the matter of my sin. I want to tell you the second little thing I want to talk about. I not only want to talk about man's problem, but I want to think about God's provision. What has God done in the face of our sin and our ruin? I think it's important to emphasize what a kind and gracious God we really are preaching tonight. If I were to come on a, an automobile accident tonight on the way home, let's say, and I hope that does not happen, and perhaps someone was actually seat-belted in that car, maybe they were unconscious, but from under the hood or maybe from out of the gas tank, you know, the, the car was on fire. There's a very real and present danger, and if someone does not act, that person, whatever their injuries are, that, that person is going to be, you know, is going to be destroyed in those flames. They're going to die. Let me just ask you a really simple question. What would you think of me? Just keep it at a personal level. What would you think of me if I said, oh, you know, I'm late for dinner, you know, and just kind of pulled around on the shoulder and made my way around on the other side and said, well, you know, the, 
The fire department will get here soon enough, maybe. And uh, just went on my way. What would you think about me? Well, I know what I would think about me. I would think I was the most despicable person in all the world. You know, here's somebody in need. Here's somebody in imminent danger of perishing. Man, I tell you, when you see that, I'll tell you, just human decency ought to make you go and do whatever you can. But honestly, that's that's just human dignity requires that you help someone in need. You know, when I think about this, this, this really stirs me. Because it reminds me, really, of the greatness of our God. Because God, who made us and made this world, and with what I can only think of as tremendous grief. I don't know if God has grief, but you just let me slide on that point just for a second. To watch the man that he had made in a world that he had made for that man. And to watch that man fall into sin and to depart from God. I don't know how to describe what must have gone on in God's heart. I don't have the right words for it. But you know the thing that just impresses me? What was God's reaction? What is God's response? Does God just say, well, you know, that's what they wanted, I guess. I did what I could. I made them in my image. I put them in this garden and they want to follow the serpent. They want to do their thing. You know, the great wonder of our God is that he is a God who seeks with all his heart to rescue a world of ruined sinners. I have been preaching a long time and before I was a preacher, I was a public speaker. And so I've talked about a lot of topics over a lot of years, through a lot of hours, to a lot of people. I don't know anything more thrilling than this, than to be able to look out into an audience at friends who have come here tonight and tell you that there's a God who sees us in our deepest need. And his heart has been moved to give his son to bear away the sin of the world. I want to tell you, there are people in this meeting tonight. Maybe you're not one of them, but I'm going to tell you about some of the other people here. There are people in this meeting and they love the Lord Jesus. Maybe that's not language that you're really comfortable with. I want to tell you something. There are people here tonight, and I'm one of them, from the deepest part of our being. We look at a Savior that was given to meet our need, and we love him profoundly because the Lamb of God has come to bear away the sin of the world. You know, I know that most of you here did not know me when I was a child. And maybe you've never noticed that I have something wrong with the inside of one of my hands. I have some very big scars on the inside of my hands. If I hold them real tightly, you can see them. They stretch across here and around here, and I have some on this hand. Sometimes people just look at my hand and say, what happened to your hand? Well, I'll tell you. When I was just a little boy, my father was in the army and we lived in a little trailer and I was just a little boy learning to walk. And one day my mom was doing some baking. And by the way, this story reflects well on my mother, not poorly, so please listen through to the end. But you know, the fastest being in the world is a little kid when you're not looking. Does everybody know what I mean by that? I tell you, they can go about a mile in a minute. They go like everything. And my mom just turned her back on me just for a second. And I took a couple of steps and I put both my hands right on that hot stove. 
You know, this was 1955, long before the advent of, and I I know I wasn't born in the Civil War or anything, but uh, before the advent of much of the modern medicine that we take so much for granted. And I was hurried away to a hospital, and the doctor who looked at my hands told my mother, words I don't think she ever expected. She said, you know, there's not very much chance that we're going to be able to save his hands. You know, my mother did something very extraordinary. Because for a number of days and nights, and I really don't know how long because I have a very hard time even talking to my mom about this, the only real hope for my hands was not to bandage them all up because it, it just they would have been spoiled. But my mom sat day and night holding my little arms just so that the skin could heal without any problems. And today, I have my hands. I have some trouble feeling hot and cold in them, but the nerve damage is still there. But by and large, I've got ten fingers, and they work. And when I look at my hands, and I see them every day, you know what I'm reminded of? I'm reminded of my mom and how much she loved me in a moment of what could have been incredible loss. But what my mom did for me, it preserved me. And I'm whole here tonight because of a mother's love. I want to tell you tonight about a Savior. And when I think about him, I'm not thinking about burns in his hands. I'm thinking about the Prince of Nails that held him to the cross. You see, this story of the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, is not some shallow, feel-good story. This is a story of a Savior whose love led him to a place of infinite suffering. It led him to a place where he would bear my sin in his own body on the tree. It led him to a place where the holy God of heaven would exact from his son all of the judgment that should have fallen upon me. And when I look at those nail-pierced hands of the Savior, I tell you, you know, I, I, I can't wait to get to heaven. You know, folks like to talk about golden streets and pearl-hung gates and all the wonders of heaven. You know, you, you think they were looking forward to going to some science fiction movie. You know what Christians look forward to? Christians look forward to seeing the Savior. And in the nail-pierced hands of our Lord Jesus Christ, and in those feet that still bear and will bear eternally the marks of Calvary, and in that riven side from whence His blood that cleanses sin so freely flowed, we will understand eternally what it cost for the Lamb of God to bear away the sins of the world. My friend tonight, what a wonderful Savior. That leads me to my last point very naturally, and with this I'm going to close. Our problem is our sin. God's provision is His Son. Now there's one more thing, and that is our personal responsibility to depend on Him. You see, this verse begins with a beautiful word. Did you notice it? It is the word, Behold! Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. What's that mean? It just means this. It means look to Him. 
Now you say to me, Mr. Shutt, now, now you've got us on some really tough ground here. Uh, you know, I, I don't see the Lord Jesus here. I, I actually don't even see any pictures of him or any representation of him. So how are you going to look us in the eye and say, well, you know, to enter into salvation requires that I look to Christ. How, how can I do that? Do I close my eyes and kind of run a little mental videotape of what I think Jesus looked like? What does it mean to look to the Lamb of God which beareth away the sin of the world. Well, I'll just tell you very simply. The word look has two meanings. The one meaning, of course, is to look. And, of course, that would be a real problem tonight because I can't see the Lord Jesus. But the word look means something else. Let me see if I can help you with this very quickly before I close. I had two kids who went to college. And the problem with kids, and all the parents here know that if you have kids in college, that's a pretty expensive proposition. So if your kids aren't in college yet, start saving now because uh, it's coming. And my kids often had two months left at the end of the money. You, you know what I mean by that? They kind of ran a deficit balance. But my kids got good grades. They went to their school like they should. When they had spare time, they worked. They did a good job trying to go to school. So my wife and I said to my kids, we said, look, as long as you keep your grades up, as long as you work and do what you should, if you need something, look to us. Now, that doesn't mean that I got up in the morning and my son's standing there, you know, staring at me. Doesn't mean that at all. When we said, look to us, we just meant this. When you've come to the end of your resources, you depend on us. We have what you don't have. Well, sort of. We have what you need. You depend on us, and we'll supply that need. Isn't that a wonderful way, really, to present the gospel? You and I have a great debt. We're bankrupt because of our sin. We have nothing to offer God. And God says, you depend on me. You depend on my son, the Lord Jesus. You depend on what he did at the cross. And I'll take care of all the rest. The Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We'd like to see you saved tonight. We really would, but we can't save you. There's only one person that can save you, and that's the Lord Jesus. And the call of every earnest gospel preacher is this. You look to him. You depend on him. He's the savior. He's the one that can and will save you. We sang when we were kids. He's ready. He's willing. He's able to save you. Only Believe his word. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. How wonderful it is to know that God has already provided for us a Lamb that is well-pleasing to himself. Only a willing, perfect, and sinless substitute can fulfill God's requirements. And this was the Lord Jesus Christ, who, as the Lamb of God, became our sacrifice to God. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree, says the Bible. What more do you need? Take him as your Savior. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you'd like some literature or a visit that would help you to understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at email? At anchorpointradio.com, we'd love to hear from you. We're glad that you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. 
Anchor Point is sponsored by Christians who are meeting in various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday night, as well as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. No collection is ever taken, and a very warm welcome awaits you. And if you've been challenged by today's message, would like to know more about the truth of the gospel, or of gathering under the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, following New Testament principles, please feel free to check out our website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information, as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the Gospel Hall nearest you. Also, feel free to take a look at other literature and audio offers at anchorpointradio.com, where you can also subscribe to our Anchor Point podcast. My name is John Sharp, and thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that in times like these, you need a Savior. And in times like these, you need an anchor.